Hey podcast, so since my last entry, the Problem with Pride episode, I've had heaps of feedback, heaps of people reaching out, heaps of people sharing, heaps of people connecting, heaps of people telling me that what I'm feeling is normal. Well, normal for someone who's gone through what I've gone through. I'm realizing that a lot of people with complex trauma resonate with what I'm saying. And they're saying that I'm brave, that I'm doing good and all of this sort of stuff. And, you know, part of me feels that, part of me resonates with that, part of me vibes that. And then the other part of me, the dissociative part of me, runs from it. I'm just a guy. I'm just someone sharing my truth. I'm just someone desperate to be able to make a living in a way that doesn't feel like I need to to put aside everything. The only way I know to do that is to be myself, and the only way I know to be myself is to express my truth. So that's what I'm going to be doing here. I'm going to be doing it as a written format and also as a podcast episode. And I figured since that previous um, that previous post did so well, people loved it. I'll do a similar thing here. I just wrote um, just wrote a piece that I'm thinking of calling on being a father without a, without having a father, something like that. I'm working on the title. You'll see the title that you clicked on. <laughs> anyway, maybe after reading this to you, the title will come. This is the post. Just now, my six-year-old son slammed a door in my face, screaming that he didn't want to talk to me. The reason? He didn't want to make a decision about what food I was going to make him for breakfast. This coming as yet another issue in the school morning rigmarole. I'm working tonight, and I won't, I won't be seeing him for the rest of the day. Chances are he will be asleep when I come home. So with some sadness, I told him, told him that through the door and walked into my office to take some calming breaths and settle into my day. I was angry, not at my son, but at the hopelessness that sinks into my gut when I face yet another challenge of parenting, but have no guidance or positive role model to assist in the process. Simply put, I do not know how to be a father. Oh, I know not what not to do. I know not to lose myself to drugs and unrelated mental illness untreated mental illness. I know not to expose my children to dangerous and volatile addicts. I know not to ignore my children for hours on end. I know not to act in a way that makes them doubt whether I can look after myself, let alone them. But I don't really know what to do, how to act in an encouraging way, when to push and when to watch, how much help and how much to guide. I don't know how to love them, (laughs) or rather how to express that love to them. It feels like there's a pit of neglect and abuse opening behind me that I'm desperately attempting to sprint away from. I've got my children slung over my shoulders and my wife running beside me as we flee somewhere, anywhere, that is safer than where we came from. I take a breath and realize that this is my life, that I'm safe, that I'm here, that I am me. I hear a small voice from outside my room. Daddy? I'm sorry, Daddy. Tears form as I begin to respond. Tears for my boy's sadness and tears for myself. Once again, I do not know how to respond. I have no positive guidelines on how to act in this situation. The only principles I have to go on are the ones that I've read about in parenting books and the intuitions that I've developed over the years. Part of me knows I should trust what I've learnt. The other part of me knows that the person doing the reading and the learning 
was doing so from a base of being raised by a neglectful father in a traumatic environment. That part of me questions if I can ever make the right decision. It is like I see the world through coloured glass. Everything is a unique shade of yellow, and I'm perpetually worried that my world will shatter at the slightest push. How can I navigate a world of vibrant colour? Colours. When everything looks the same. I take another breath and I open the door. My boy is sitting on the ground, tears running down his little face. I pull him close. I tell him that I love him and that I want to understand what's going on in his, in his mind when he becomes fixated so I can do better next time. He quickly bounces back and starts yet another task that is not at all related to getting ready for school. An art project he is working on. And again, I find myself not knowing what to do. I value art. I value expression. I value creativity. But time is real and school is about to start. He is late again. And I am angry once more. Angry at myself and at my father and at the world. Angry because I don't know what I'm doing and every day I'm confronted by that fact again and again and again. And I know that it will keep happening until I move past this block. This is why I write. I write to understand myself, deconstruct the craziness of my brain and to lay it down on the page. In this way, I can better understand and process the trauma that threatens to overwhelm me entirely. Writing this just now has revealed the unsettling truth that I will never have the answers, at least not in the way that I wished I did. (laughs) There is no father figure that I can turn to for advice. There is no one who I grew up inherently trusting that that they have my best interests at heart. There isn't anyone I can turn to. This isn't entirely true, of course. I do have other relatives. I do have a mother. I do have friends with children. They are all great in their own way, but they cannot fill the gaping void that was left by the absence of my father. As my boy went off to school, I told him that I loved him again. That I was proud of him, and that he's a good person. I tell him that daily because I know such words from a father can do to a son. I never received such encouragement, at least not while my father was alive. He died at his desk with the diary open in front of him. His last entries chronicle his thoughts and feelings as he passed away due to complications from years of drug use and smoking. I read that diary multiple times. In it, I was granted access to the inner workings of a man that was previously unavailable to me. I clung on to the incoherent scraps of thought like they were a lifeline out of the abyss. I wanted to know who he was, to have some semblance of an inkling of an insight into the man that was my father, and I wanted to know if he ever saw me. It was in that diary that I found the one instant I can remember him telling me that he was proud. The memory of seeing you in action on Sunday will rate as one of my top memories that I'll cherish forever. I felt very proud of watching you fight with the heart of a warrior. Your teacher said that you were strong and I agree, body and mind. Zach, I also thought that you were very brave. Congratulations on your ascension to black level. Well done. With love and respect, Dad. (sighs) I was shocked he came that day. I rarely invited him, and when I did, I would rarely be... He would rarely turn up. He wasn't busy with any obligations or work other than whatever demons were facing in his mind. He was facing in his mind. But that day he came. He never spoke those words to me. I never heard him say them out loud. Until he died. Until he died and I found that entry, I didn't know he was moved by my accomplishment at all. (sighs) I am angry. Angry 
that those few words written on that scrap of paper that I read after my father's death can move me so much. I'm angry that I still care, that, that I am still a little boy desperate for his father's love and approval and acknowledgement of his existence. I'm still angry that my father didn't leave me more to go on, because I know well what I'm not to do, and I know that a boy needs to feel seen and heard and acknowledged from his father, that he needs to both feel and hear that he is loved and that his father is proud of him. I don't know if that's enough, but it's all I have to work with. <sighs> so, that's my piece. That's the piece. That's what came to me today. If you resonate with this piece, um, I encourage you to read more of my story in my first book, Under the Influence Reclaiming My Childhood. There I share the raw, honest, and vulnerable reality that was my childhood. I just want to let you know I use writing to heal, and I guide others to do the same. And if you're interested in working with me, there'll be a link in the show notes to click through, and we can jump on a call and talk about it. Talk through my offerings and see if there's a match. It hurts. It hurts to write. It hurts to open up. But it's a good hurt. It's a cleaning of the wound. It's a releasing of the pressure of the dam. It's therapy. The page listens. It doesn't judge. It's always available. <sighs> but it hurts. But here's the thing. That anger that I feel will hurt my son more. Because I'll, until I can learn the lesson and the method and the way to proceed, he will be and bear the brunt of that anger. Unwillingly. Unknowingly. I don't have a choice to have my emotions arise. Anger just comes, like other emotions. But I do have a, a choice to respond, to address them, to heal and to process through. Because I don't want to pass this shit on to him. I've got very few memories of my father. Very few. A lot of them aren't good. And there's only a few that I think of with positivity. The only time I remember hearing his voice, there's two instances. One of them is an accumulation of the times that I spoke to him when he was stoned out of his face. This slow, pathetic drawl of like, Zach. Like just speaking so slow and inebriated and the embarrassment and the shame and the confusion and the mess that I felt every single fucking time he spoke. I remember that. And I remember his voice when he yelled at me. Just once. That's there. I remember his attempts to explain the incoherent thought processes of someone riddled with drug use and neglect and abuse and trauma in his own right. Someone that had untreated mental illness trying to explain concepts to a boy that was terrified of him, of his life, of existence. It's not easy. It's not easy dealing with complex post-traumatic stress disorder. But it is possible to heal and grow and move on. And I encourage you. 
Like I said, if you want to work with me, reach out. I also encourage you to take steps of self-care. That's medication, meditation, therapy, writing, exercise, med- like med- whatever. <laughs> I think I've said it. Do the things that make you improve over time. That is what self-care is. Do those things. And if you need support and guidance in that process, find someone that can guide you. That is an offering that I'm giving to people, helping you to discover and do the things that work for you in the same way that I've done for myself, helping you to express in the way that I've expressed myself. But I also encourage you to do the other work as well because it is a multifaceted approach and you need to attack it from all angles. I know that symptoms come up in my mind. They come up again and again and again. It's like one head of a hydra pops up and the next head of a hydra pops up. Chop one, two more come up. Healing takes time, but you know it's working if over time your functionality is improving. You are able to perform better over time. You can work more. You can socialize more. You can think clearer. You know, it's a trend over time that we're looking for. That, in my mind, is hope. That is what I'm going for, and that is what I want to give you. So please reach out. The link is in the bio, the show notes, whatever. You know what I mean. (laughs) If you want to read more of my story, um, you can do so under the influence of Reclaiming My Childhood. That is out and available as a paperback, ebook, and audio. Um, And I'll put a link to the show notes so you can grab a copy of that too. But either way, I hope this piece resonated. And if if it did, reach out. I want to hear from you. Anyway, thank you. Catch up.